Hey there, it's Olivia Allen Price, host of Bay Curious, the podcast. KQED Podcasts wants to thank listeners like you whose support makes this podcast possible. If you want to help us continue to make great content, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcasts. And thanks. From KQED. Hi, everyone. I'm Katrina Schwartz, in for Olivia Allen Price, and you're listening to Bay Curious. The Bay Area is full of gorgeous places to hike. It's one of my favorite things about living here. But many of my favorite spots, from the Marin Headlands to Sweeney Ridge on the peninsula, lived a less tranquil life during World War II. In fact, there are remnants of war all around us, even if it's not obvious. Take the northern end of Sausalito's waterfront. It used to be a huge shipyard during World War II. Now, businesses and restaurants operate out of the warehouse spaces. Three months after Pearl Harbor, a wire from the U.S. Maritime Commission started the W.A. Bechtel Company and five affiliates building a new shipyard nestled at the foot of beautiful Mount Tamalpais on the shores of San Francisco Bay. This $17 million shipyard in Sausalito would become known as Marin Ship. Workers there built over 90 vessels. We're talking huge cargo boats known as Liberty Ships and tankers that carried gasoline and oil overseas. These were the ships which turned the tide of war. Our question asker this week, Lisa Cellino, ran smack into this wartime history while exploring her neighborhood. I'm new to Sausalito, and I wanted to know how the Liberty ships produced in Sausalito affected the outcome of World War II. Today on the show, we're diving into Marin ship history to learn about the men and women who worked tirelessly to build those ships and the impact they had on the war. Stay with us. Support for Bay Curious comes from Sierra Nevada Brewing Company. Committed to brewing things the right way since 1980, because when you're a family-run brewery, there's no other way to do it. Sierra Nevada Brewing Company. Still family-owned, operated, and argued over. And be sure to stay tuned through the end of the show so you can play our monthly trivia game for a chance to win some cool prizes. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment, And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member. Get special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast. With an S. Thanks. Before the United States entered the war, it had already been providing Britain with supplies. After the Japanese bombed Pearl Harbor and the U.S. officially entered the war, the government quickly ramped up production of cargo ships and tankers. Without the ships and the supplies from North America and elsewhere to Europe, especially to the British, World War II would have been lost. That's Jan Kaiser, a member of the Sausalito Historical Society. He says Marin Ship was one of several Bay Area shipyards building boats that carried crucial food, medical, and battle supplies to both Europe and the Pacific. We overwhelmed the enemy with volume of of material. That was the purpose of the ships. 
At peak production, Marin Ship finished building a new tanker every 10 days. Without that shipping capacity and the food, fuel, and other supplies they carried, our allies would have had to surrender. Shipbuilding was crucial to the war effort, but the folks who showed up for work every day, the ones who tightened the bolts, twisted screws, and welded those Liberty ships, they don't always get the recognition they deserve. Pendarvis Harshaw, host of the KQED podcast Right Now-ish, brings us the story of those heroes and a group of young people working to keep their memory alive. I'm talking about the thousands and thousands of Black folks who fled the racist South just to encounter more of the same here in the Bay Area. This is the other American World War II story. Eighty years after the start of the war, there's a new album commemorating these African-American laborers. And it's made with the voices of teens whose communities descend from these historic figures. The history that isn't really talked about in our classes, but it is a really important part of our history. The group is called the Marinovators, and their album is called A Way Out of No Way. It's a collaboration between hip-hop educator Jahi and students of the XR libraries and performing stars of Marin. I recently got a chance to chop it up with five of the 12 young folks who appear on the album. My name's Kyrie Mitchell, I'm 13. I'm Dom Austin, and I'm 14. Hello, my name is Sarah Alexis Williams, I'm 15. My name is Julia Cook, I'm 12. My name is Rohan Iyer, I'm 18. In the West African style, this is something that we usually do toward the start of a conversation, but I wanted to just take a second and honor the name of some of the ancestors that you all read about in doing this work. Joseph James. Rodessa Battle. Reverend Leon Samuels. And with that, let's get into the history. As mentioned, these folks are included in the album, like that last person, Reverend Samuels. So we went down to the employment office to see what it was, and it was some job that was being offered out in Sausalito, California. We accepted the job that day. It was on a Thursday, and on Sunday, we left for California. His story is similar to thousands of Black folks who were excluded from higher-paying industrial jobs in the South. So they migrated to the Bay, arriving in Marin's ship in Sausalito, where they found hard work but good pay. As the young artists sing in their song, A Way Out of No Way. They left down south and they came to the Bay. Make a way out of no way. The shipyard work was hard but good pay. Make a way out of no way. The story of our people won't be hidden away. Make a way out of no way. The massive influx of war workers created a housing crisis in the Bay. So was born Marin City, an integrated housing project for shipyard workers and their families. But it only accommodated a fraction of the workers. In fact, the bulk of black workers had to find housing across the Bay, which was hard because there were policies barring black folks from staying in a lot of areas. But for the black families that did get a spot in Marin City, a number of them stayed and established roots. Today, there are folks in Marin City's Black community who are direct descendants of this lineage. And some of the students behind this album are personally connected, like Dom Austin. My great-great-grandfather actually worked on the Marin ship. I know he was a, he was a welder as well. Now, let's talk about the women workers during the war effort, specifically the Black women. Of the million Black people who entered the workforce during the war, more than half were black women. In fact, my mom's neighbor in Oakland, Mrs. Marcella Hubbard, was one of them. When we talked on her 100th birthday, she told me about working as a welder in the shipyard. On the Marinovators album, 
the young historians highlight the tales of some of these women by using oral histories in their music to honor the sheroes, like Miss Rodessa Battle and Miss Annie Small. In Wonder Woman Workers, the song summed up the significance of women in the shipyard and how you wouldn't really expect that in the 1940s and the importance of what they did in the shipyard and how they worked there. Painters, coppersmiths, all types of positions, warehouse laborers, even shift fitters, nurses, riggers, and big crane lifters. And listening to this song, you realize that that white icon of Rosie the Riveter is misleading because there were so many black women also working on the home front. Wonder Woman workers working in the shipyard. Wonder Woman workers working in the shipyard. These students gave the unsung sheroes the title of Wonder Woman workers. Accountable. But the thing is, not everything was rosy at this integrated workplace. It was hard work for good pay, but not equal rights. The main union has for us a separate organization to which we have to belong. I found out that... This is Joseph James, a man whose name you should know. The due structure was the same, but the benefits were 50% of what uh, a white person would get belonging to the and I said, I'm not going to put up with this. And uh, that's the beginning of the Man, this guy was dynamic. Before he came to work in Sausalito Shipyard, he had a successful singing career. He sang on the radio, he had bit roles in Hollywood, and he was part of the original cast of Porgy and Bess. But when war broke out, theater opportunities shrank. So he studied welding and landed a job at Marin Ship which is where he took on one of the biggest roles of his life. He took up the fight against the Boilermakers Local 6. See, at Marin's ship, all construction workers were required to join the union. But that union wouldn't exactly let black people join. Instead, black folks were forced to pay the same dues but join auxiliary chapters of the union. That didn't give them any voting power and they received less union benefits. That didn't sit right with Joseph James. So he and hundreds of other black workers refused to pay the dues for the segregated union. Joseph threw a protest with no punching in the party to help fund his court junction. Pressure on him, but he did not crack. And if all flat got his job back. The world isn't equal, we need improvement. The world is nowhere close to where we need it to be. Like, there's so many issues going on down, but I'm gonna put my foot down and I'm gonna start this movement. I'm gonna start the process of something big. And that's what Joseph James did. Joseph James and 200 others got fired for refusing to pay member dues to the segregated auxiliary union. The next day, even more workers walked off the job to join those who were fired. James took the fight even further by filing a lawsuit to get him and others reinstated. The case went all the way to the California Supreme Court. In the end, the verdict ruled against the discriminatory practices of the Boilermakers Union and maintained the Marin ship couldn't fire its workers for refusing to pay dues to auxiliary chapters that gave them no representation. This laid the foundation for tackling other discrimination cases in unions and the workplace. That was Pendarvis Harsha, host of the Right Nowish podcast. 
A version of this story aired on his show in October, and you should definitely check it out because he gets students like Jalea to open up about the emotional journey of making this album. It made me feel proud, I guess, to live in a place where people like fought for work rights and job rights for themselves and their community. Thank you to the Marinovators team who worked for months on this project, and especially to MC Jahi, Rohan Ayer, Kyrie Mitchell, Sarah Alexis Williams, Dom Austin, and Jalea Cook, whose voices you heard in this episode. Be sure to check out their album, A Way Out of No Way. Look for it on Spotify or Apple Music. Bay Curious is produced by Olivia Allen Price, Brendan Willard, Sebastian Mino Buccelli, and me, Katrina Schwartz. Extra help this week from Marisol Medina-Cadena, Jessica Placek, and Seal Muller. Bay Curious is a production of member-supported KQED in San Francisco. We'll see you next week. Hi, Bay Curious listeners. Are you ready to play May's trivia game? Every month, we read a question here at the end of our episode. You can give us your answers over at our website, kqed.org slash baycurious, or just click the link in the episode description. Out of the correct answers, we'll randomly choose one lucky winner to receive a cool prize package with Bay Curious swag and Sierra Nevada goodies. Okay, our question for the month is, the world's longest-running pillow-fighting contest was held from 1966 to 2006 in what Bay Area town? Our trivia quiz is made possible by Sierra Nevada Brewing Company. Good luck! Hi there, I'm Randa Fattah from ThruLine. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. 